Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 177. At the end of the episode, I got no idea what I'm playing because I haven't given enough thought to this. And at some point, I think I've played every single chapter and short story unless we go with some german if you go with some german at the end of today that always sounds nice and violent we could do bright side or totem taunts um yeah i don't know we'll come up with something i think we'll probably just do a short story i wish i had some new short stories but i don't because i suck because i've been too busy but it's all good i'm just happy that i'm recording this today instead of yesterday because if i recorded yesterday there would have been a lot more fucks, a lot more uh, just being completely negative. I might have thrown the computer through a wall. I might have punched a hole through something. I have not been handling stress well the last two weeks. Um, and I kind of thought it might have something to do with not working out. I always talk on here about how important it is, how I was getting so many days in a row at yoga, how much that yoga brings to me. But anyhow, over the last two weeks... With my dad being hurt, with doctor appointments, with kids being back in school, with driving back and forth, with volleyball games, with cooking, cleaning, all this other shit. Man, it uh, definitely increased my stress levels, and I wasn't working out. I think I, I missed so many days. <laughs> my buddy George was sending me pictures of his workouts, like how many calories he burned. I'm like, fuck, didn't do it again. Didn't do it again. Instead of you know making time for something small, getting him small amounts of exercise, I mean, I dig, dig it little bits, but not through yoga. You know, I could have been doing 20-minute yoga sessions. I could have been doing 30-minute sessions, but I didn't do any. Anyhow, so the last two weeks, I've been getting more and more upset, uh, more and more frustrated. It usually comes out when I'm driving. I get defensive. I get pissed off. I get so angry about these other parents that are doing these things, like, you know, cut in front of me or endangering other kids or not following the rules or, you know, but getting upset. And then realizing now I'm making mistakes because of them. so not only am I getting upset and acting foolish, uh, even if it's just to myself, I'm also getting enraged and then I'm not being careful. And then I'm almost causing accidents and shit like that. So uh, I think it was it was either yesterday or the day before where I realized, like, you know, the driving is not the problem. All these other things are not the problem. It's how I am reacting. I'm reacting shitty. I'm reacting. I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not putting myself in a good mental place. Um, and that's not okay. So instead of beating myself up about it too much, instead of making it into some negative thing and being really pissed off about how I had been acting, I went, as soon as I got back from taking my daughter, uh, when I told my wife I was sorry for fucking just being such a, angry bastard one did yoga actually i don't think i apologized to her before i told her how angry i was i think we got into a little bit of a fight because of how angry i was and then i went out and did yoga then i apologized and then we had some good talks and after that also after the yoga like that was just a big reset super hard 80 minute practice that includes some yin you know it's a guided meditation you're getting the good breathing that along with uh probably smoked a little bit of weed. I did smoke a lot of weed. Uh, as well, that helped uh, reset me. I went back in, you know, I apologize. I uh, made a good talk. I was able to explain to her, you know, say, yeah, that I was getting back to the place where, 
you know, I get worried. I did hypnosis, I don't know, maybe six months ago, and that tapped all that down, tamped it all down, lowered it all, but um, it rose again. So I think it's important. That's why I'm sharing it. Just not only um, that we need to keep an eye on our where we are and be honest with ourselves because yeah no one wants to think that it's them that's being an asshole i don't want to acknowledge and that's why i was so upset and as i saw my wife i was like i'm upset myself because i realized how much of this is just me failing it's my problem i wanted to be mad at everyone else i want to be mad at all these other drivers i want to be mad at the fucking world that's not helping anything it's not their fault it's just how i react you know so today when i take and actually yesterday was awesome too picked up my son great day i had an incredible writing session all day uh enjoyed picking him up when they saw my daughter's volleyball game they had a crappy game but it was fun watching her you know i brought my son home we did some vr i played guitar uh did some more writing fun night so you know it was just all on you know the, the my level of stress my level of shit i have to get done uh level of how many books i still have sitting in front of me None of that has changed, but my perception of and how I'm handling it all has changed. So I just have to keep that shit in mind. Um, yeah, hopefully this helps someone. So yeah, it takes, uh, it's not fun to take a look at ourselves sometimes, but incredibly important. Otherwise, you know, if you just go through life saying, well, that's how, how I am. Uh, you know, I'm just angry. I'm just, you know, people are assholes. Guess what? You're going to be fucking miserable your whole life. Probably divorced. So that's not what I'm shooting for. Anyhow, you do you. I will do me. And fucking let's move on. So, good news. Now, this is what is also crazy. You know, I, I was so angry, such in like little rage mode. You know, the, the good things that happened, they made me happy for a tiny bit, but then it's gone. Like I finished, well, I shouldn't say finish, finish, but try not to die in the Wild West. Very happy with it. I handed over to John Palisano. There were maybe, there's about five, two destinies are not written at all. Like I have the ideas. I just want to make sure he's cool with them. Give him the chance to write them if he wants. There are several other destinies where we just need to tack on the last, you know, two paragraphs or two lines or whatever about how the guy actually finally dies. Uh, final thoughts. You know, some small stuff like that. So that felt awesome to give to him. Uh, I like the book. I think it's really, I think it's going to be a really fun one. So John has that. As soon as I sent that to John, I got a message from Duncan Ralston. Uh, he wanted to tag me on Facebook to share um, that he had already hit 40,000 words. He passed 40,000 words on Try Not to Die at Ghostland, which is awesome. I'm super pumped about that. All he has left are death scenes. Um, and that's a good size first, like for the main path. 40,000 words is a good amount. So it's definitely bigger than the Western. Very excited about that. Um, I'm not sure how much I'm going to get to play with it. Uh, it is Duncan's baby. It's his world. So we shall see. I don't know. But I am happy to do as much or as little as he likes. What's super awesome for me is like, I get to read this first. It's like, you know, I'm a fan of his writing. So being able to see what he's done with Trash Die and Ghostland, that's pretty awesome. And... So yeah, that was great news. Um, well, so this weekend, so tomorrow and Saturday, uh, tomorrow and Sunday, I get to be at the Long Beach Comic Con working that with Brian Asman. That's gonna be awesome. It's just the two of us, maybe a third author, I'm not sure, but that should be a lot of fun. Meet a lot of people. 
tell people about the podcast, all my writing, all that good stuff. Tell them how awesome I am, full of all this life wisdom. Wow. Um, anyhow, that's what I will be doing this weekend. Part of me is a little bummed because I love hanging out with the family, you know, especially after being busy all weekend, I all week. But being able to spread my writing, podcast, all that good stuff meet the public that is good for me to do as well for sure and always fun hanging out with brian he's uh he was on here episode i think 166 or something like that so if you haven't listened to that go check him out listen to his approach on opportunity and that's what this weekend is he contacted me a couple of people asked about uh wanting to do this event if he had asked me last week i would have said no but luckily we did the Figured this out a couple months ago, and I was all for it. And now I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have some fun. Um, all right. Another thing that had been causing part of my over the feeling of being overwhelmed was death fest. So I'm on death fest, but that meant having to dig up all my paperwork, trying to figure out where we were, how much has been done, not been done. Fuck, who are these characters? It's been so long since I read them, you know, all these things in my head. And then I saw when we started this book, Glenn and I started this book like nine years ago, at least. At the very least, it was eight years ago, 2014 at the at the latest. Um, so that alone can be kind of depressing. Like, fuck, is, are we ever going to finish this thing? You know, we had to set it aside for years at a time and just picked it back up. So I was a little bit worried about that because, yeah, looking at something that you haven't touched in a while. Like, is it going to come back to me? Do I even know these characters? But what I did was I read through the first seven chapters, and those are all awesome. Those are ready to go. Those are uh, those are clean. Those have already been edited. So reading through that made me feel much better. Got gave me a really good feel for who these characters are, what the crowds already kind of like. And so yesterday I nailed. I knocked out like three. I, I flesh up the next three chapters. I need a couple of days to really you know, fix them up before I send them to Glenn, but I'm happy with those. I played with, uh, I got, I, I tricked my son into playing some, trying to die a death best with me. The, the day I had to make a stage with his mag tiles, we're going to make, make a cool stage out of Legos. But what was fun when I was doing that and running him through some death scenes, I saw one of his dragons and one of his guys that looks like Eddie from Iron Maiden. I'm like, oh, how could we not have that kind of death? I need that kind of death. I need someone controlling the dragon and burn some motherfuckers. Uh, I didn't say motherfuckers in front of my son. Uh, although I'm sure in the past I have. So, um, yeah, so that was fun. We came up with some cool stuff there. There were some new ideas. I like that. I like being able to visualize, whether I'm drawing it on a piece of paper or I'm building something or I'm playing with action figures or whatever it is, that helps. And by having doing it with my son, it is fun. I'm engaging his imagination, and I get to kill him over and over, and he gets so mad when he chooses wrong. He's like, you didn't tell me about the water. How was I supposed to know? I... I'm like, dude, relax, man. I was like, I'm trying to trick people. I'm trying to trick you. Just be okay with it. Like, you didn't really die. So, uh, but he'll be all right. He shall get over it. All right, what else? Oh, uh, got put back in alignment this week. That was good. I'm sure that was another thing that was messing with my... I know that was another thing that was messing with me because for the last eight months, I had been in great alignment. My neck problem had been fixed. I go to NUCA, that's a National Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association. I go to those kinds of doctors um, to work on, they only work on up here, the very top, uh, where I have been messed up for a long time. But for the last eight months, it's been right on. So I haven't had any ribs 
you know, slipping out of place. I haven't had any tension in the neck. I haven't had my low back pain, but the last two weeks I did. So I knew something had happened. I was out, uh, but I got adjusted on Wednesday. So now I'm back in alignment. Now I'm feeling good. So that is awesome. And thanks to Ashley's book club reading Brightside this month. The meeting is on the 25th. I will put notes down below probably. Sometimes I forget. Uh, it's also going to be in my newsletter. But yeah, that'd be awesome if you guys could join us. But for this entire month, I am having Brightside on sale for $0.99. Cents. The audiobook, I believe, is $2.99 on uh, Apple, Chirp, and Barnes & Noble. Double check those prices. They don't always change. But if you enjoyed Brightside, let your friends know about it. Let them know it's only 99 cents. It's available on all platforms now. So yeah, you can pick up that ebook everywhere. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, maybe we should just go with the start of Brightside so you get a feel for it. Why don't we just go with the first chapter? Because I really don't feel like trying to find a story for you, something old, going through it all, having to come back on here, tell you what it is. That'd just be too confusing. So since it's early in the morning, I still need to make breakfast, get the kids ready for school, upload this shit, write a newsletter, try to get that done, and then do yoga. I'm going to close this right now. We are going to go out on bright side. You may have heard this before, but again, maybe it'll just spark something. Now, whether or not, hey, would you want to know the thoughts of others? That's pretty much what bright side's all about. And uh, getting into, you know, some self-reflection. I wonder what this book would have been like if I wrote it now. Probably, I don't know. It would have been way better for sure. I still like bright side, but there's knowing how much I have changed since I wrote it. Uh, it's pretty significant. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Pretty short, but yeah, got a lot of stuff to do. I'm sure you do as well. So go have an awesome day. Enjoy it. Uh, don't let yourself get too stressed out. And remember to breathe. That's what I will be doing when I start getting all fucking angry again. So, all right, guys. Wishing the best. Have an incredible weekend. And I will talk to you later. Peace. Chapter 1 They call us thought thieves, but it's not like we have a choice. All the sick, twisted things rolling around in people's heads, we can't help but hear. God knows I've tried to turn it off. The sexual perversions, the violent fantasies about your boss, that annoying neighbor you want dead, even those unfortunate thoughts about your kids. I've had to stand there and listen. I'd never wish this upon anyone, not even my mom the woman who's been oversharing since I'd slid from her womb. You wouldn't believe the awful shit I've heard. Imagine if you knew every dark thought people had about you. Trust me, it's not pleasant. In any given moment, the person you love is thinking about someone else she'd like to screw. How fat you've gotten. How unbearable it is to hear you chew. Later, she'd hold you and kiss you and regret most of it. And you'd fall asleep hating yourself for having all the same thoughts. Secrets keep the world from burning. I know this now more than ever. The secret I have left could get everyone killed. One person's already dead. More are sure to follow. All because I couldn't keep my stupid thoughts shut. So I understand why they rounded us up, thought thieves like me, and took us up to this little town on the top of a mountain, 
with drops so deep there's no need for a fence. It keeps the country functioning, lets everyone feel safe knowing we're up here in the sky, far away from everyone's thoughts. Except our own. They call our town Brightside, because as they like to remind us, things could be worse. Some thought thieves weren't so lucky. They were beaten and hanged, shot in the streets. Others were wrapped in straitjackets and locked away in squishy walled rooms. Brightside was our chance to start over. We could hold jobs and have apartments, and even go on dates and shop in little stores. It wouldn't be so bad, they told us, as long as we never tried to leave. But now it's day 100. The day it's all going to end. I guess we'll find out how bad it can get. My bedroom window's right in front of me, but I've got my eyes closed. The warm glow of the sunrise is trying to make me peek, but I can't. Look at that jagged crack running down the center of the glass. I can't look at the pool of blood on the chair. Tiny drops on the ceiling. Eight pounds of power rest across my thighs. My Mossberg 12-gauge. American metal. Dad's special gift. Odds are this is my last sunrise. I open my eyes, take in the absolute beauty. I wonder if Danny and Sarah are awake and seeing it too. If I can somehow help them escape, I might make up for some of the things I've done. Not Rachel, though. What happened with her is beyond redemption. I can't go back and change it. If I'd just given her what she needed, told her what she wanted to hear, she'd be coming with us. I know what happened to Rachel goes beyond day 39, but that's when it all started. It was seven hours before day 39 officially began. Rachel and I were in our office, the only one with two desks. They put us there because of our shitty sales record. Jobs in Brightside were based on the ones we held in our former lives. I used to sell BMWs. Here, I sold timeshares. At BMW, I never missed a quota. I never blew a sale. But I always was within six feet of the customer, the range I needed to hear someone's thoughts. On the phone, I was next to worthless. Clock on the wall showed the same time as my computer. All the clocks in Brightside were perfectly in sync. No reason to be late. No reason to think this wasn't all perfectly normal. They even hid the security cameras to help us relax. They put them inside the light fixtures, behind the bushes in the square, where we had a bakery, a bar, and even an electronics store, all built for us to make us believe this was just a regular town, a place just like any other. No reason to ever escape. Rachel got hung up on before she could finish telling the guy how close the condo was to the beach. We had five minutes left of work, enough time for her to make another call, but she opened the bottom desk drawer and pulled out a bottle of lotion. She squirted it onto her palm and rubbed her legs that were spilling out from under the desk. Rachel and I had been dating for close to three weeks. Long enough for Rachel to decide that I was the one. Long enough for me to give her a key to my place. 
to convince myself I loved her back. Everything gets accelerated in Brightside. Because you can't lie. Everything's exposed. Normal couples take six months to admit how they feel. Brightsiders do it on the first date. Rachel rolled back in her chair and looked at me like I'd just said something. It made me feel sorry for all the people I'd done this to over the years. Taking whatever I'd pleased. She got up with a smile and walked over to my desk. Her red skirt stopped mid-thigh and was tight enough to be painted on. She didn't need to listen to my thoughts to know I liked it. The last couple of days, Rachel only saw me at work, and she knew I was ready to break up with her. It's not that things were bad. They were just too intense. Rachel was the first thought thief I'd ever been with. I had no idea how exhausting it could be. You can't just say you're tired or nothing's wrong. Rachel knew everything, even though I never said a word. That's why she sat on the corner of my desk, crossed her legs so I couldn't focus on my computer screen. She put her dark hair in a ponytail, so it looked less Jewish. I'd only thought that once, but she'd never let it go. Rachel smiled and took off the glasses she didn't need. The ones that looked exactly like Mom's. She took the part of the frame that rested behind her ear and put it in her mouth. She sucked on it a bit and spoke around it. You got any plans tonight? I noticed Rachel had gotten contacts. Her eyes so fucking blue. Just like Michelle's. My last girlfriend before Brightside. Rachel turned her legs toward me. They were shiny and smooth and smelled like pina colada. I just shaved, she said. We both knew I wanted to feel the inside of her thigh. Run my hand up to see if she was telling the truth. But I just mumbled that they looked nice and powered off my computer. Rachel rubbed her calf against my knee until I looked up at her. I need to see you tonight, she said. I adjusted my khakis, pointlessly trying to conceal the fact that her plan was working. We can go out, she said. Something nice? I'm thinking Oscars. Oscars meant a lot of money. Something I wasn't making at Brightside. Always staying one step ahead of me, Rachel said dinner was on her. She wanted me to know things could be different. She was willing to change. It didn't have to be so intense. Come on, it'll be fun, she said. And I don't even need to stay over tonight. Unless you want me to. Rachel took hold of my collar and pulled me in. Her red lips so close. I could feel the security camera zooming in from its hiding spot. I pushed her back and said, Fine, we'll go to Oscars. Rachel smiled and spun off my desk. She let me watch her ass as she picked up her purse and walked out the door. Oscars was only a few blocks from my apartment, and even though I was dressed and ready, I waited until the last possible minute to leave. I didn't want to get there before Rachel. I passed under the bronzed archway and entered the park with its enormous pine trees. Someone had decorated them with little white lights to make it look like a winter wonderland. There were no rules about sticking to the path, so I cut across the grass, staying far away from the edge where the mountain dropped off, 
a full mile straight down. Heights threw my stomach around in my chest and made me shake like a little girl. I passed the pond and took deep breaths to clear my head. The air was cool. Everything silent. The cabin was high up on the hill with its big red logs and long bay window. The curtains were always pulled back so we'd see the residents who'd broken the rules. Some had refused to go to work or started fights. A few had slit their wrists too shallow. In the common room, a small blonde in a nurse's uniform sat behind the desk reading a magazine. The rule-breakers sat in chairs, their faces pale, eyes ringed and black. They weren't allowed to talk during rehabilitation. They were given pills to keep them calm. The cabin was the big reminder in Brightside that our town was still a prison. I focused my eyes straight, kept walking, went through the south archway, and stepped onto Main Street. The six small stores were dark and closed, but everything else was lit. Every ten feet, a lamppost to wipe out any shadow. No place to hide. I strolled down the deserted street as the American flag flapped high above the square. The flapping like a goddamn slap in the face. I knew I had to clear my head. I needed to blow out all the bad thoughts before I turned the corner. Rachel was waiting for me on the bench outside Oscar's. She was wearing her green fancy dress, the one she'd worn under her robe at graduation. Back then, it fit perfectly. Now she had to suck in. Her hair was up in a French twist, and her makeup was thick, especially her lips. Dark red. Her glasses were gone. She wanted me to know she'd been paying attention. I didn't realize it was supposed to be that kind of dinner. But at least I had on a nice pair of jeans and my shirt had a collar. Rachel didn't care what I was wearing. She was just happy I showed. I took her hand and said, Let's go eat. Oscar's windows were tinted just enough so you had to press your face against the glass to see the idiots paying thirty bucks for the same steak they could buy for ten across the street. Brightside liked to remind us we could still be special. The hostess was going to seat us in the back, tucked away in the corner. Rachel asked if we could sit at a table. She knew I wouldn't break up with her in the open. We sat in between two couples silently engaged in conversation. Rachel wanted to talk, though, wanted me to feel that this was a normal date. She knew I was thinking about the cabin and that fucking flag. She told me to order anything I wanted. She asked about my day, even though she'd been sitting next to me the entire eight hours. Our stakes arrived, and Rachel kept asking questions. Like th the first concert I went to, and the last book I'd read. She was trying, and I felt like an asshole. I answered her questions, and I even asked a few of my own. It made me think this is how our first date should have been. Not me sharing how much I hated my mom, Rachel sharing what her uncle did with her panties. But by the time that we'd finished dessert, we'd run out of things to say. We were like an old married couple after only three weeks. I took Rachel's hand and started to have the talk we'd been avoiding. 
She put her other hand on top of mine like it was a game. Let's just grab a drink. She knew I wasn't a drinker. It's not that I have a problem with booze. Problem is, when I'm buzzed, I start thinking about shit I shouldn't. Back home in Ohio, I could get away with it. In Brightside, it was a problem. I said, uh, it's kind of late. Rachel snorted. That's how she laughed. We'll only have one. She looked so desperate sitting there. Her hand squeezing mine. She just wanted us to have some fun. All right, I said. We'll go for one. We crossed the square and headed for Riley's, the bar where everyone knows your name and all the horrifying shit that fills your head. It started out fine, because that's how bars usually start out. Then an hour turned to two, and I was somehow on my sixth jack. All my thoughts started creeping out like cockroaches. Rachel handed me another shot. I talked louder to keep other things to myself, but some guy asked what I had against the flag. Rachel laughed and pulled me towards the door. Everything was spinning, and, and I thought I might fall over. Rachel kissed me. And kissed me. And then it was day 39. I woke up to the darkness. The curtains were closed. I had no idea what time it was or how we'd gotten back to my place. Besides the pounding headache, it seemed like every other morning with Rachel. But something was definitely wrong. Rachel was sitting on the edge of the bed, legs dangling over the side. She kept pulling at her curls, over and over, again and again. Her right hand was clenched, her fingers pressed down on her thumb like she was trying to break it. I put my head back down on the pillow, tired and hung over. I was still halfway in my dream, and it was a good one. Michelle and I were walking in the forest, its grass so green. Ohio's brilliant blue sky above. Michelle stopped at a clearing and laid down her red blanket. Then she was underneath me. Her eyes were the lightest blue with the softest shine. I brushed Michelle's sandy blonde hair from the side of her face, ran my thumb lightly across her cheek, around her ear, and then cradled her head. She reached behind my back and pulled me down. My heart covered hers. Her heart, my heart, beat to beat. Can you feel that, Joe? And then I was inside her, and we were white on red, all that blue above us. Beautiful colors back then. Michelle. 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 Are you fucking serious? The voice definitely wasn't Michelle's. The dream was gone. I was awake, back in Brightside, darkness all around me. I had no idea what I'd done, but I knew it wasn't good. Come back to sleep, I said. Rachel wouldn't face me. All her focus was on those curtains, the ones I refused to open, the mile of Brightside beyond them. 
I reached out and put my hand on her back. Rachel recoiled and my hand fell. Her mouth was a black hole moving in the darkness. You still love her. I played dumb. What Mom wouldn't call a hard stretch. Who? Rachel swung her knee onto the bed so it was up against my ribs, the thin white sheet the only thing between us. Please don't lie to me, Joe. I'm not an idiot. My eyes were adjusting to the dark. I saw Rachel's blue contacts, the black trails bleeding beneath them. I took hold of her fist and eased it open. I rubbed her college ring, the emerald set in white gold. She'd gotten it a month before they brought her to Brightside. You're not an idiot, I said. You've got the ring to prove it. She said, You think this is funny? It wasn't funny. It was scary. I said I was sorry. I shouldn't have joked like that. I kept touching her ring. I started picturing her in school, lying under all those guys. Rachel's hand clenched back into a fist. I couldn't control my thoughts. Rachel, it's late. I looked over at the clock. We've got to work in three hours. Do you wish I was her? She knew I couldn't answer that. Not in one word. Not the one she was looking for. Michelle was the woman I was going to marry. She found out the hard way about my secret. She was there when they took me away. Rachel sat waiting for an answer, staring at me, peering inside. I took a deep breath, trying to clear my head. But she knew everything. Everyone always did in Brightside. I asked if she was hungry. Mentioned the diner, some eggs. Rachel just sat there. She needed me to say it. But I couldn't. Rachel reached over and grabbed my dick poking under the sheet. My hard-on was news to me. But the proof she needed was in her hand. It looked like she'd captured the world's smallest ghost. I said, let go, I have to piss. Rachel spoke like I was a special ed student. How about you just wait? I'm not pissing the bed because you want to talk. There wasn't much left of my dick to grip because getting treated like a child isn't my thing. But that didn't stop Rachel. You're not walking away, she said. I took hold of her wrist and pried off her fingers. You need to stop this. And then real serious and slow so she heard me, I said, Fucking relax. Fucking relax? Rachel's football player. His words coming out of my mouth. I hadn't meant to say it. Not like that, at least. Or had I? Cornered, what was I capable of? Rachel wasn't the only one who could use thoughts against people. I'd learned about the jocks, the Dartmouth boys all the other guys on our second date. She was drunk and underneath me. I thought she was moaning because of me, but then her thoughts started pouring, flooding her head, and then mine. She realized what was happening and she started crying. She was ashamed. No one had ever seen these things with Rachel. I told her it was okay, that I didn't care. All things considered, I'm not a bad guy. I don't try to hurt people on purpose. But just like Rachel, sometimes I can't let shit go. 
Rachel got off the bed, moved to the other side of the room to get out of my range. I couldn't stomach the disgusting thoughts in my head. Out of range, I could finally lie. I'm over, Michelle. It, it was just a dream. But Rachel was bawling. I sat up all the way and asked her to please come back to bed. Rachel wiped at her tears like she was mad at them. Yeah, you're over her. You just proved it to me, right? And it was so sweet. Carving my name on a tree. Just like we were in junior high. It was stupid. Something I did on day seven. I'd use my key to carve out a big heart. Put Joe Loves Michelle inside it. I didn't think anyone would see it. But brightsiders see everything. Rachel and I were coming back to my place one night and the lock was sticking. I damaged the key by carving Michelle's name. Rachel didn't say anything. Didn't need to. I felt awful, though. So I went out the next day and I crossed it out. Replaced Michelle's name with Rachel's. It was childish. Something an eighth grader would do. But it was better than what Rachel was doing back then, getting finger-banged behind the gymnasium. Rachel kicked the bed. She was back in range. You got something to say? Fuck. Thirty-nine days were not enough to get used to this. From day one, we all knew we weren't alone. They told us being in a group together would make it easier, but it was so much worse. Everything on display. Nowhere to hide. It's brought Rachel and me together. We thought we could elevate past the dysfunctional relationships, especially our parents. But we were even more dysfunctional. All honest and exposed, the little secrets and awful truths firing off like buckshot at anyone within range. I'm not proud of it. But I couldn't stop thinking about the list. And it was long. All the guys Rachel had been with. The depths she'd sunk. You're fucking sick, she said. What the hell happened last night? I remember going to Riley's and you ordering those shots. Oh, so you're just drunk? What's your problem? I shouldn't care if you dream about her? You gotta pretend I'm hurt to fuck me? As calm as I could, I said, I don't do that. Rachel's jaw clenched so tight I thought she'd break teeth. I usually have a great memory. One of the things I hate about myself. Not on day 39. I was having trouble thinking, let alone remembering. The walk home was one big blur. Rachel's jaw relaxed. She was listening to my thoughts. I was trying to piece things together, grasping at vapors. The smell of sex was stronger than my breath, and I guessed it was possible I imagined Rachel as Michelle. But I couldn't admit that, and saying I blacked out wouldn't change anything. I put my hands over my head as if that would block her out. I didn't do that, I said. And I heard her thought. You're a liar. Rachel, I don't remember anything. If that happened, I'm sorry. I never should have had those shots. So it's my fault. She started pacing, moving in and out of range. Holy shit, 
Can you just stop? You're acting crazy. Rachel smiled, breathed through her nose. You want to see crazy? Her voice scared the shit out of me. She was all the way on the other side of the room. Rachel, I know you're angry, but you need to calm down. You want me to calm down? Should I get some air? Maybe, maybe we should take a break? That's what you want, right? Right then was my best chance of denying things. Her by the door, both of us out of range, lights off so she couldn't look me in the eyes. But I knew we weren't going to work, no matter how much I wanted it. All I had to do was say it. But I couldn't. Rachel, come on. Where should I go, Joe? Should I go back home? Huh? Oh, right. I can't. This is it. Her smile was creeping me out. This is home. I suddenly realized this was about so much more than Michelle. Rachel was cracking, like a dam ready to burst. Rachel, please. I'm begging you. Rachel screamed like she was being burned. Her legs gave out. She thudded off the hardwood. She put her forehead to the floor. Her tiny fist strangled her matted hair, and she just kept screaming. The lights flashed on, the 120s blinding me even with the fixture over them. Rachel, come on, be quiet. I looked at the clock. We still had an hour before morning lights. They never came on early. Rachel, please. Her throat wouldn't close, just kept spraying screams until I covered my ears. I think you're great, Rachel. I wouldn't be with you if I didn't. Just please be quiet. She kept wailing. And I knew they were coming. Rachel knew it, too. But she didn't seem to care. She just curled up under the bright lights. Everything exposed. The scar on her collarbone. The two-inch-wide birthmark on her lower back. She banged on the floor with her head, pleading for someone to let her go. I just want to go home, she sobbed. Why won't they let us go? My head was pounding from the lights and the hangover, but I kept my voice nice and quiet when I said, Just come to bed, okay? We'll say you stubbed your toe. The bootsteps were coming. Rachel, get over here now. I jumped off the bed, felt foolish because my dick was just hanging there. But Rachel wasn't looking at me. She was still crying to the floor, the voice not her at all, broken and shattered. I yanked her arm, but she wouldn't move. The boots were here. It was going to hurt like hell, but I had to get close, right up against her so my thoughts would sound like they were coming through a megaphone. Get up! They're here! Please! Rachel made herself smaller, pressed her fists against the side of her face. They didn't even knock, just opened the door, two of them standing there, all calm, like they were here to fix the sink. Rachel screamed, Fuck you! You can't keep us here! You can't! I told Rachel to shut up. She did, but only to spit in one guy's face. The guy didn't even wipe it off, just twisted her arm, almost snapped it. She begged him to let her go. Then she clawed him in the eyes, 
I stepped forward, my hands out to show them I wasn't looking for a fight. She had too much to drink. Please don't. The baton cracked off my skull, and I fell. The boots walked right up to my face. You got something else to say? I kept my face to the floor, listening as they dragged Rachel from my room. Her screams slowly fading until they were gone. 